What are we doing today? We're going we're, we're gonna to move our parents. Remember we talked about that a while back? We, I, I, I blocked it out, actually. <laughs> that whole topic of, you know, when it's, we, we broached the topic of when it's time to move your parents. And, mm-hmm. but, and then I think we, uh, I know I had made the comment of, well, we're going to circle back because there's other topics that we can dissect out of this. And the one I thought we could talk about today is the challenge we faced when we realized that this had to happen. Like the, the actual, now, how do you, how do you do this? What are the, like the, all of the things, <laughs> because it all revolves around stuff and it does, you know, like in this case, we were downsizing them quite significantly and moving them across several States. So when they're in a house for 40 years and they brought 20 years with a junk before with them before that, how do you, what do you do with all the stuff? And I mean, there's the, there's the, there's the, you brought up a good point in our early chat about distorted sense of worth of things, but yeah, I would, I just thought we could talk about the logistics of dealing with the stuff. So, so you find a Walmart and in the camping section, you can get a 99 cent lighter. (laughs) Nice. And that's, that's the logistics right there. That's it. Fire. Fire. fire fire does it fire has a remarkable ability to take a lot of stuff and turn it into very little stuff it does plus there's the insurance aspect so yes and that's what um two and a half minutes yeah and we're, we're, we're done in. that's how you do it that's it thank that's you light her up thanks thanks for that a lot of people are a lot of, a lot of people are going to thank you now so uh-huh it's like whoo see some some things have an easy button and it's the and it's the clicker <laughs> lighter i told my parents that for years that they got all this furniture that they call quote antiques they're not and like what are you gonna do with it i'm like i suppose we could use it for firewood in the winter i don't care (laughs) i Mm -hmm. it's a well-known fact that i don't care about stuff let alone other people's stuff (laughs) that's i care even less about that um but yeah but anyway so that so coming from my perspective i'm like okay we we have to do this we have to move them and we have to deal with their stuff so just deal with it my my desire to drive to fix the physical issue oftentimes disregards the emotional intelligence aspect of, of dealing with said issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to be quite cognizant of uh, quite cognizant of that. But, um, but other than that, it's, it's a question of logistics. Like when you finally do get past the point where everybody agrees that it's time to make a change, how, how do you do it? And I figured we could share what we did as, as yeah. a point of reference. And we're talking very specifically how you do it for other people. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a whole other side of this, which to your point is the, is getting, I guess, getting past the concept that all of this stuff has value beyond the emotional value. Right. That, that And that can be, that can be a huge drag for people, just the emotional value. And mm-hmm. When you when you get over the hump of letting go, now you're attaching the. There's still a, there's still a point inside of you that attaches a dollar amount to the value that you had to it, and like 
yeah. when you start seeing it go for pennies on what you thought it was worth, that's tough. Right. It, it is. And what I, I think it's, at least for me, it would be more tough from a, it, it makes me sad that the value has gone down. I don't know that there's anything that I have around here that I look at in denial and go, that's crazy. We could have gotten more for that. <laughs> um, it, it's the real, so I have a, um, you know, grew up in the age of, of cassettes and CDs. I have a CD rack here in the house. It's a 500 CD rack. I've got stuff piled on top of it. So there's more than 500 and, and the shelf next to it. There's more than 500 compact discs on this thing. Mm -hmm. I'll say compact disc in case anyone doesn't know what I mean by CD. Right, right. Thank you. Um, and I know that I cannot get anything for any of those CDs. Like there's no, there's no monetary value whatsoever on anything on that rack. I also know that, guess what? I don't have a CD player anymore, <laughs> except in my car. There you go. So I got rid of my my you know big stereo a few years back and moved over to a sound bar for the television. So my CD changer gone. All of that, all of my my hard earned and expensive stereo equipment, electronics at the dump. Mm -hmm. This thing takes up space in my house. This rack full of CDs. I know what I need to do. I need to if the library will take them, donate them to the library, or I need to throw them away and clear off that area. Mm -hmm. There's no reason this stuff sits there and takes up space in my house. I can listen to any of it on Spotify. Well, how we how how our stuff accumulates and and how we get used to it being around is a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But the I'm I'm just trying to set the stage with the emotional aspect. There, it's the getting rid of is hard. Yes. Um. But yeah. So so to your point for our in laws, how did we how did we start? Did we? I mean, there were the there was the the day to day stuff, and then there was well, the big stuff. The piano is a whole story. I remember a lot of this and you know there was a lot of health issues there and back and forth of of the girls to their parents house and uh i finally went out with my wife um when i think her mother came home from the hospital we were there and because i i frankly wanted to assess the situation <laughs> uh and <laughs> yeah. and it was it was very clear that that was not going to be sustainable we had kind of, we had known that right um, before she came home from the hospital, but sure. But and we had been talking about this, that, the other thing, if this, then that. But I started to really think about the logistics then, thinking about what has to happen first, then this, and then this, and then this, and then what are all these components? Now I'm sure we can talk, and we will talk later about other aspects of the logistics about changing all their doctors because you're moving them out of state, changing their Medicare, uh, changing just how do you, how do you juggle all that? Yeah. And just thought I had my wife on. I was felt pretty helpless. And so I said, what, what is it that I can do? What is it that I'm good at? Let's look at the logistics, the system of actually physically leaving the space. Mm -hmm. What has to happen and just start going down those things. Right. And I remember we had, it was, I, she had been home like two days or something. And I remember you and, and your wife and my wife had a Skype session or whatever. And we were like, this is not, we, this is not sustainable. They have to leave. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And that's, I think the first time we collectively came together and said, yes, we all agree. What is our approach? <laughs> how, how are we going to do this? 
And, and worth noting that we didn't have them on the call. No, no, no. <laughs> because they they really weren't any – they weren't going to be helpful <laughs> with that conversation because the emotion was too strong. Well, it's just they were still in denial. Very much so. That, well, why does anything need to change? I'm home from the hospital now. This is – everything's going to be fine. Mm. What? No, no. How are you going to manage, let alone – think about it like this – Suddenly you're wheelchair bound and there isn't a freaking doorway in your house that's wide enough to get a wheelchair through. How do you stay there? You can't. You're now you you're you're bound to one room without massively overhauling the house. Let's say you don't have the resources to do that. What do you do? You can't stay there. Even if you had even if you had live in help, you couldn't stay there. And yet they did for another year. They did. Uh, and I think you and I were both partial widowers that entire year. Um, we, we were. <laughs> so we, we absolutely were. So there was, you know, I don't know how many trips, but in that meantime, you know, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Who's going to do what? My wife was a strategic and tactical implementer of change management, I will say, <laughs> of getting <laughs> getting them used to the idea, yep. uh -huh. doing all of the her insidious little ways that she does things to get people used to the idea of of this big change. So we, we sort of started to get them to the point where they knew, yeah, this has to happen. And we've been talking about it so much. Now it's a thing. We're going to make this thing go. By the time we got there, I knew that we needed to have all of our levers cocked, that we could just knock them down one after another so that any reason to not go was eliminated. Absolutely. The inertia was so strong. You know, you, you mentioned earlier the fact that, well, the wheelchair can't get through any doorways. Well, the, the idea of figuring out a way around that was so much stronger for them than the idea of actually changing their environment leaving that environment, I should say, uh, they would have done anything to just keep the status quo going. Mm -hmm. So to your point, having everything cocked and ready to go so that the objections could all be counteracted. I remember you telling me a specific story you had with our father-in-law at one point about him saying, well, what about, the, you know, what about this? That's dealt with. What about this? That's dealt with. What about this? That's dealt with. You had an answer for everything. Yep. That's my job. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, the, the concept of, you've used that word inertia several times to describe this, and it's the absolute perfect word, emotional inertia, um, because there is a solution to these things. It's just it requires the individual to let go. So once we've got them to let go, what are the things that, that we did? Well, we had all, we had, we had 40 years worth of shit to deal with. I mean, legitimately, as you might imagine, somebody who's been in a house for that long, there are areas of the house that you can't get through anymore like the basement, just because there's so much stuff from years and years and years. So I'll just put it here, put it down there. I mean, my God, don't go in my workshop for the love of God. It's the same thing. I see it and I know why and how it happens, but how do you quickly extract yourself from that? So what we did, a couple of, couple of approaches, we had to, we had to winnow the pile down a little bit. And that's where your wife was, was a rock star, went through and, just, I don't know how many weeks she spent there throwing shit away. Oh, <laughs> so, so much. Do you really need those calendars from 1982? No, you don't. Let's, let's get rid of those. Do you really, you know, it's just stuff that builds up over time, right? Mm -hmm. Again, 
the emotional part aside of seeing this, you know, your history go away, how do you deal with it? And it was just like, I remember your wife having the question of, you know, it's like, well, we're going to have way more garbage bags than we can set out for the garbage to pick up. I'm like, get a dumpster here just a second. And I went and I looked and I found a dumpster. I'm like, here, call these people <laughs> and, and have a dumpster brought in or a dumpster bag or whatever it was. I don't remember what we got, but, but it was, it was like that. It was like, this is how we do it. So don't get, don't, don't get stuck, have a lever to pull. And I remember my wife telling me that our, that our father-in-law, that dumpster was like kid in a candy store for him. He was so excited. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to the, the inertia and the feeling of, of helplessness of where do I start? This was an actual step. And it wasn't that he didn't want to get rid of all that crap, is that he didn't know how, he couldn't bring himself to start and by starting that process, we, we were out before the dumpster, the four of us, my whole family was out there, and we started on their attic. Mm -hmm. And we had eight or ten bags of garbage from the attic that we filled, that we just piled up in their living room so he could bring them out like two at a time during regular garbage pickup. And the man was giddy. Mm -hmm. He was so excited to throw all these things away. I am 100% in touch with that feeling because for my 50th birthday, I asked for a dumpster. <laughs> because having gone through what we did with their their house and seeing all that, I'm looking around and be like, mm -mm, not going to happen here. <laughs> Time, mm -hmm. this shit has got to go. But that was that was the first step anyway. It was was like clearing away all the real detritus, right? Just the yeah to, to get down to something that you're like, okay, this is actual stuff that is probably it's it's worth more than just throwing in the garbage. But I'm not going to sell this stuff on eBay, right? So what do you, what do you do when you've got that much stuff? So I'm like, well, you have an auction. But I didn't know how any of that stuff worked. I, I had a I had a vague sense because my my parents had an auction years and years and years ago. But I'm like, let me see because we're not in a scenario where we are going to stage everything and just bring in an auctioneer. We need somebody to manage this for us, like because we're all out of state, right? we have to schedule this because we can't have this auction and all their stuff while they're still in the house. But yet we also can't move out of the house because there's too much stuff. So some of it needs to be removed and staged elsewhere. So, I mean, this is a huge logistical challenge and to find the right group to help you with that, which we did thankfully, and they weren't too far away. No. And it, it legit, I just looked in the yellow pages and this is what, this was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, the, the yellow pages for you kids, it means I Googled it. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, does that even is that anything anymore? <laughs> you stand on them to, to reach a high shelf. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I just started calling people, which is, again, part of my day job dealing with vendors and suppliers and all that kind of stuff, where it's just like I am used to cold calling people and asking dumb questions. We, we said, this is what we need. Can you do this? No, we can't. Oh, no, you can't. But this person can. Okay, great. I'll give them a call, blah, blah, blah. And then you end up finding somebody. And so we had uh, a group come in and a company. And basically, once once your wife had cleared out the detritus, they came in and basically reviewed, was it reviewed? Reviewed the the items or reviewed the, the assets or whatever it was. I don't remember what they call it. And then basically said, yeah, we think. This is about how much it's going to cost to do this. We're going to need a little bit of money up front to do advertising and stuff, but basically we're going to we're going to get paid on commission for whatever we sell. So they're incentivized to sell stuff. 
and they handled they dealt with here's the stuff that gets dumped and we'll dump it here's the stuff that gets, that gets sold and we'll sell it and then they also sold the house correct so they had a real estate arm so to your point of kind of the analysis paralysis that we were going through of how do you do this before this and how do you do this before that and the chicken or the egg they Man, it pays to play someone that knows what they're doing sometimes. You can't do everything yourself. It does. And how do you validate if you're getting getting robbed or not? Really, for us, what it came down to, and I remember the four of us talking about this, is, look, we're not in a position to farm out the individual aspects of what need to happen here. We are in a timeline. We need to get them moved by X date because for many reasons, we need and all these things need to happen. So for us, what's important is having a trusted, quote, agent that can handle a lot of this on our behalf. Are we going to pay them for it? You're damn right we are. Mm-hmm. And so could we get, quote, more for this stuff if we split it up and did it ourselves? I'm like, yeah, probably in, in dollars and cents, but that's not you're not taking it into it the opportunity cost. So once we got over that, we're like, yeah, let's just, can they do all of this? Yep. And it was a huge weight off of our shoulders. We said, yes, you, oh, you can, enormous. but we were, we were not under any pretext of pretense, whatever, that this is, this is the absolute most financially beneficial position for us. It, and, and we weren't expecting a gold mine. I and mean, there was no, there was no Mickey Mantle rookie card hidden <laughs> in those piles. Man, I was hoping, I was hoping. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were, well, and there were some things that had been, I'm not going to say prized possessions, but like uh, I don't even know what, if anything, we got for it. But there was a, there was like a World War II parachute that was in decent condition that had been in the attic forever. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what what ended up if that was worth you know if that was going to be the nest egg that they thought it was going to be. Oh no, there were other things like a 1932 Waco biplane. Uh, that's, uh, a that's still whole another yeah. story. <laughs> that's another story. I will say the the I think the most valuable thing that came out of that auction was a box full of empty boxes from Nintendo cartridges. Yep. That went for several hundred dollars. And and we're talking about stuff, you know, Nintendo cartridges, the original boxes. So think about how old this shit is. Right. Yep. Empty boxes. Nothing in them. Yeah. Those sold for more than the dining room furniture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. incredible. I think, I think the actual there was a set of silver like a silver serving set that went for ah. a couple of thousand. Um, oh, did it really? Okay. Yeah. There was a harp that went for several thousand. Mm-hmm. There was a piano. I'll let you talk about the piano. We had a baby grand piano, uh, you know, from the late 1800s, beautiful piano it was more or less maintained. And we tried everything to sell it. We reached out to contacts in the area. And again, just like with the plane, we were not anywhere physically near this so this made it harder we reached out to schools we reached out to charities we reached out to all kinds of music professionals that we knew in the area um if you get on facebook marketplace right now and look in your local area you will find pianos that people can't give away right look in the free section on craigslist craigslist free section has pianos all over it Uh, i was gonna say i mean they asked the the tuner who they've been using for years who of course said oh this piano is worth about eight thousand dollars so that was the nail in the coffin for us being able to just give it to someone. They're like, oh, it's worth $8,000. It's like, no, it's not worth $8,000. I remember had been told years ago that it was worth like 30 something thousand. 
and that they got such a steal for it at at another auction. They bought this piano at an auction 40 years ago or whatever it was, and that the piano bench alone was worth thousands and thousands of dollars because they're so rare. I'm like, well, let's get an appraiser in because we don't want to get taken for a ride on this if that's the case. The appraiser comes in and looks at it. Okay, yeah, it looks blah, blah, blah. It's like hot on the high end, you might get eight grand for it. And that was the first, like, I can, I can remember her mother-in-law just be like this look of incredulity on her face <laughs> of, of just being like, that's just, that's not, that's not true. So it's like that, that was, I'm like, this is not going to go well. Mm. We had had a couple of offers for the piano that's that, right. that they rejected. Mm-hmm. Then it came down to the point where it was the only thing left in the house because we had no buyers for it. Nobody even wanted this thing and it was going to cost us money to have it stored because there was this sense that it was worth so much more than it actually was. Yeah, you look online and these grand pianos and this Chickering was the name in that in that family of pianos. Some of them are restored or are worth thousands and tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is not one of them. <laughs> Ultimately, what this ended up with is we had to we had to get creative about how we got rid of this piano because <laughs> in the in the end, isn't it about how people feel <laughs> and Ugh. and and what we what we tell them in order to spare feelings matters i mean this whole concept of little white lies is a thing yep that's what had to happen in this scenario because there was no other way this was going to end well correct and i believe what ended up fi- well one of the options we had that was legitimately discussed was to send it to a place in atlanta that re completely rebuilt these pianos from scratch Mm -hmm. and it was going to take them about a year we were going to have to pay two or three grand to move it and then they felt that the selling value of this in a completely rebuilt model was going to be around 30 grand but if it didn't work out that way if they couldn't sell it after rebuilding we would have to take ownership of it and pay them the the rebuilding fee which was going to be 10 or 15 Mm -hmm. So there was a there was a risk there, and there were some legitimate conversations among the siblings for do we take that approach. And, and it, it it just it came down to do we really want one more thing hanging over us here? Right, and you you're going to spend that much? Yeah. Do you have a do you have a opportunity to make money on it? You do, but it's it's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Are you interested in that risk? And I was not. Not no, at that point, no. because we had other risks like that freaking airplane. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's still in storage in pieces. There was a whole multitude of, of things we had to go through to to extricate them. And that was just dealing with the stuff. And I remember I watched the whole auction online, right? It was all time bids online for yeah. different lots. And I, I was kind of fun. I'm like, ooh, what's this going to go for? What's this going to go for? I'm like, really? That went for how much? What the actual hell? Or... I can't believe somebody bought that, like, for any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, you end up with a check, right, that boils down to this is what all my stuff was was worth. Well, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, that, only, it's only worth as much as somebody's willing to pay for. Yeah. that That's the part that I think we all knew was going to be a hard pill for them to swallow was that because you – you have to separate yourself from the fact that this is not your life's worth. This is the stuff that you felt like surrounding yourself with, and you got the value out of it already. 
So you got to look at that money as gravy and not validation. There are some, you know, heirloomy type things that stick around, right? That you pass on and mm-hmm. sentimentality is fine. That's, that's who we are as people, but not everything, you know, your, your collection of national geographics from 1962. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. They're not worth anything, even though you think that they might be, they're not. And it's been at this point, a little over a year since that uh, year and three or four months. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that last week, our mother-in-law asked my wife about whatever happened to da 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 something that must have been auctioned, but she's still thinking of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely all the time. Where is it? Oh, we, well, that's out in storage. That's the, that's the, it's in storage. We sold the shit out of that. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. Could. Oh, yeah. And if we go out there, we can't find it. We're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe Jill has it. <laughs> oh, we well, we have a pile there. So we're com- we are driving out to visit you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And from the original cleaning out, there were every time my wife would come back, she'd come back with a car full of stuff. And some of it was stuff for her to keep. Some of it was I need to go through this because my parents just can't go through it a lot of pictures a lot of family pictures Mm -hmm. so we have what used to be a playroom for the kids and has turned into a big pile of boxes and i looked at her the other day i said is any of this coming out with us when we go and she's like oh no none of this is going back it's so i mean some of it's eventually going to be garbage some of it is heirloom type stuff again a lot of it is pictures which i don't know what the plan is for any of that stuff but we yeah, we uh, we ended up with a with a decent pile, which I I still swear the plan was for that to be gone through and brought back to you. <laughs> nope, not happening. That, that, that's what I always thought the plan was, but apparently I am wrong. It just leaves more room in my car to bring you beer. So, well, that's fine, and I also have a very large brush pile it can go on when you when you show up. So, yeah. the 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 last big component to this was actually extrication. Like, how do we yeah. physically get? people moved and so i again mr supplier chain manager uh started calling a bunch of moving companies and whatnot because we didn't have the the literal muscle power to do all this moving and whatnot Mm -hmm. and then it's like do we really want to be schlepping this stuff across the country turns out yes uh (laughs) but i was astonished at what people wanted what these moving companies wanted to do this move i'm just like are you kidding me what the actual hell i mean the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and i'm just like this is insane what do we do well there's u-haul uh we looked around we found a u-haul and then we're just like oh my god how are we going to load all this stuff and then this is not something that i realized was a thing but i think i don't remember if it was your wife or my wife basically found like these these day labor companies that all they do is basically rent themselves out to people who rent u-hauls to like pack and load or unload mm-hmm. moves. And I'm just like, this is a thing. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I hooked up with this crew and there's like, how many hours you want us? How many people are we bringing boxes? You guys got the boxes. How are we going to do this? And it was, it was amazing. We did a bunch of packing just because I was afraid we weren't going to get it done in the time that we needed to get it done. Sure. But turns out we were on the, on the good side of, uh, you guys can go home now. And we loaded her all up, everything, in in a basically the biggest U-Haul van I could get, you know, truck. James and the U-Haul truck drove from Pittsburgh to Madison, Wisconsin. I had named the, the, the U-Haul truck Hot Carl. 
So yeah, at various at at various uh, uh, rest stops, I'd I'd get out and take Instagram shots of of me and Hot Carl uh, to, to document our journey, and uh, and we we slept all that shit back here to Madison, and then basically had a day where it sat in the truck, and we had another crew show up at the apartment and start unloading stuff, and it was brilliant highly recommend that if it was so much less painful than I was expecting. And it saved us, I bet $15,000. Jeez. Yeah. Incredible. Yep. So I was pretty pleased with that. And you know, the country between Pittsburgh and Madison is beautiful. Said no one ever. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, you you were alone in the truck, whereas your wife had to drive the van with our in-laws. Correct. Yes. Which is a whole nother, you know, I mean, you're talking about moving to elderly people, one of which was wheelchair bound. Uh, That in and of itself, logistically, is tricky. You had the easier job. I very eagerly volunteered to drive Hot Carl. Yeah, and it was me, me, hot Carl, and an audio book, and I was going to drive straight through. I was just going to pound it out, right? And granted, I was going slower than I usually do, so it was going to be about a twelve-hour drive. I'm just like, screw it, I'm getting home tonight. (laughs) I got, I got to the far side of Indiana. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stop and stay with them. So I I just stopped, and then I hit the hit the road at Odark Hundred the following morning and got home long before they did. But yeah, it was. uh, it was an adventure. Oh, yeah. Let's just put it that way. But I would tell folks, if anybody else is going through this or, or looking to go through this, drop us a line. We're happy to share what we know. Uh, we're, we are of that age that we're dealing with that with our parents now. And, and I would also love to hear people's comments and, and their stories around this because we can all uh, we can bond over our, our mutual misery. It only hurts when I talk at gmail.com. Um, and if you're still looking for James's address to send him a greeting card, I can. That would be super awesome. I am 100% in touch with that feeling. 